The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host. I'm laughing. I don't know why I'm laughing. I know know why you're laughing. You know why you're laughing. You do. I'm laughing because it's a Brady Quinn football show. Pow, 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 pow. We could actually use those this week because Miami did win this past week. They beat Florida State. Big win for them. So I'm sure there was a bunch of after the game. So, <laughs> um, if you were playing in Miami and you beat Miami in college, would you go out and party? Or if you were playing the Dolphins in the pros, would you guys go like party after the games? And sound like, did it? Let me ask you this, Brady and Ryan Wilson here as well. Of course, Ryan, how are you doing? Wouldn't want to cut you off, leave you out of the dark, whatever. Um, the uh, what? What was the difference in like post game partying level for college versus pros after a win? Well, pros, uh, again, if you're at home, it's great. Uh, but, you know, honestly, guys have families and stuff. So you kind of just go back and maybe there's a tailgate. Maybe you go, you know, you hang out, hang out a little bit, but on Sunday, there's not as much going on. Yeah. College, it's entirely different. And that's why there's nothing better than after a big win or after a, a game going out and partying in college. Now, the only exception to that is when you go a couple days beforehand. So for example, you ask the question, Miami, Miami is fantastic, especially when you're a team that, I don't know, might be on mountain time and maybe you happen to go a couple days out ahead of time early and you get in on a Friday and you got some dinner reservations and you have a curfew, but it's, you know, still late enough where you can go out and get a little bit of a, a taste of the scene. So there was definitely some of that. Uh, I think John Fox was one of the best at that as far as having us go a couple days ahead of time to make sure we could get adjusted to the time because uh, that was the only thing he was concerned with, not us going out having a great dinner and a grand old time as a team. That was a byproduct. Well, you know, if you're going to go to Miami, you don't want to go to Miami on Saturday and have everybody blow doors on Saturday and then be, you know, struggle blow doors. Is that what we're calling it? You mean ski in South Florida? I mean, what, what, what kind of references are we making right now? No, 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 no. I just mean like you blow your doors off. Like you just go. Oh, right, go, right, right, right. Sorry. I just heard I blow Miami. I figured they went together. Fair. I mean, we're basically hitting legalization across the country. <laughs> uh, Ryan. Wilson does uh, not know what to say at this point. Ryan's like, well, Ryan's, okay, boomer. Um, <laughs> Why are you using your joke against me? You got called boomer for being an old, jerk, old, might have been taken, old person. 
<laughs> I got dragged on the internet. I like, I like replied to a cheat tweet from the Chargers trying to be like funny. Like, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street guy got arrested two years later and, uh, some guy and someone was like, it was a meme jerk. I was like, well, it's not a meme. It's a video clip. A meme is like a, you know, a very, you know, it's like a short, like referential thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some guy just replies and goes, okay, boomer. And then all of a sudden this flood of like, like shut the F up boomer memes came blasting at me. I was showing my wife. She's dying laughing. You're, you're so hip. You're so with the social media culture and the okay boomer and the millennials. And now the millennials are trying to blame generation Z because they're really the ones that are getting blamed. Um, for stuff that's considered millennial stuff, but really it's generation Zers that are doing it. I just, I, I love social media. I'm all over that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I know that you recently fired up a TikTok account. You're killing it on there. Your content on TikTok is unbelievable. I don't even know what that is. Me either. I don't hey, either, but that's what hey, the kids are yeah, doing. Let me ask Brady this. Uh, Brady, what do you, I've had this conversation with, uh, Breach as well. What do you think Brinson? would be doing right now if there was no Twitter because I'm convinced he would be down at the grocery store yelling at old people about the fruit they were buying because he would have no one to yell at. Oh, that's a great question. I don't know that he. I see him as an angry person without Twitter. Um, I think Twitter is actually the platform for Will where he tries to be a bit of a comedian. Um, mm. And so that's more of that platform for him. I would see Will – I, I'm not sure, honestly. Like, I part of me sees him drinking a toughie at a bar somewhere, just constantly trying to take in sports. Part of me sees me like him sharpening like a blade to an axe, trying to chop down a tree with his beard. Like he'd just be out there, like, "Honey, what are you doing? Just chopping down tree, you know, chopping wood. It's what I do. Yeah, Got to get rid of this fence. I mean, the fence ain't gonna build itself, babe. Yeah, so um, I'm not really sure. Do you mean like what if there was no internet or what if there was no Twitter, Ryan? What if there's no social media, no Twitter? Because if there was internet, you'd definitely be scouring the internet for whatever you could find. I'd be on a message board, like you'd be trying to you'd be trying to create Twitter. That's what you'd be doing. If there was no Twitter, you would be trying to create Twitter via some company or on a message board or something. And you could call Uh, it Boomer. (laughs) Okay, Boomer.com. Yeah. Uh, All right. We, uh, very crisp podcast so far, hitting all the critical <laughs> NFL topics. Um, taking care of business. Because there's will. nothing to talk about today. My gosh. Debo hadn't, Debo signed, it looks like Debo signed out of Slack, but that's not actually the case. He's actually just launched his computer into the control room, like, like keyboard. He's just, I'm out. I'm out. These guys, it's over. Uh, all right. Anyway, let's, uh, make sure to check out, by the way, Cam Newton plays on Ninja Reserve. Nick Foles taking over for Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Make sure and check out the emergency podcast. Oh, the, the Chargers telling everybody to go F themselves and they're staying, um, in, uh, in, in, uh, in LA and not London. See how that goes. Um, all those things are on the emergency podcast that we banged out on Tuesday afternoon to make sure everybody would have their content for that. Uh, but we are going to dive into some uncertain quarterback situations around the league and touch on because I think Brady, I, I, I do want to dive. I've been pre, I've been, I've used your name a thousand times in the last month, um, in vain. Uh, but no, mostly because you, you had list Frank surgery recently. And I, yeah. I just don't think that, I just don't think that people, like I've been telling people like, go listen to this podcast where we talk to Brady about it. <clears throat> where does I, Carolina fall? Oh, we'll go. I mean, I'm just curious what you think Cam should do now that he's been placed on injured reserve. I think he probably wants to try and get back for the playoffs, but I think he would be best served to have the surgery based on what all the things Play, Playoffs? What? Playoffs. I mean, is this team going to the playoffs? Are we for sure about that? No, not at all. Here's how I put it. 
um, I, I didn't get surgery. Okay, this is back in 2009 when I initially heard it. Didn't get surgery, casted it, went in the walking boot, uh, came back. It, it obviously didn't heal properly. That's, and, and, you know, that's one of the risks that you run. Uh, but, but really what you're talking about is the separation in between your big toe and your second toe when you have a Liz Frank injury. When they call it a sprain, there's a lot of times little micro tears within that ligament. And so it doesn't seem that significant, but you start to get separation between those toes. They're called metatarsals. And so your foot spreads out a little bit, right? So that's painful. It, it's unstable. And so one of the reasons why I think he struggled throwing the football um, early this season when he did play. So the amount of time that, that he would need to recover, even on the, in the scenario where he wouldn't have surgery, would still be too long for him. I mean, I was in a boot for six weeks. I was in a walking boot for six weeks. That's, you know, six, or excuse me, three months right there. And I, I probably didn't feel like I could run again, uh, ever like I used to. Uh, you know, and I'm six months out from post-surgery now and I'm still not quite there. So regardless of whether he chooses to, um, not have surgery or elects for surgery, it's going to be a solid six months before he's able to actually get out there and run and cut and maybe test it out and all that. Probably another six months until he feels like he's back to normal. Uh, if he has surgery, if he doesn't have surgery, I mean, it, it was something that I played with for another five years and I never felt like I was the same again. You know, I, I always would have to deal with arthritis. I had to deal with pain constantly. I do think to some degree it probably affected my throwing motion because every time I planned to transition a throw, I would fall off a little bit on the outside of my foot instead of driving straight through a little bit because it was painful to plan on the inside. So all those things became an issue for me, uh, but it was something that I didn't have the luxury to really take time in that point in time in my career because I wasn't established to sit out for six to nine months and, and then wait to see what was on the other side. He's made a ton of money. He's been successful in this league. So obviously someone's going to take the chance to sign him if he wasn't going to be with the Panthers next year and if he did elect to have surgery. So my advice would be get the surgery now. Don't play the what-if game with if they were to make it to the playoffs or not having surgery because – and I think that's what the advice uh, Dr. Anderson gave. I don't want to speak for him, but I can almost assure you now most um, foot doctors, foot specialists in particular, and he was who I consulted with for my surgery, and I actually ended up using one of his fellows, You know, they will tell you now that you get surgery on that. Like if you get that injury, you get the surgery. Typically it's based on the separation between the metatarsals, but in this case, if he's concerned moving forward, I think with the way he plays, he should just get it taken care of if he wants to keep playing football. Yeah, I mean – that's the thing, Ryan, is that if you're Cam Newton and you want to, it's, it's, it's really hard in life in general to, to decide between your long-term and short-term concerns. I mean, I think, you know, especially true when you're a quarterback who's at his age dealing with the mental and physical stuff that he's dealt with over the last few years. Um, as a fellow geriatric, Ryan, how would you approach this in terms of long-term? I'm just kidding. Uh, long-term, short-term, like, I mean, don't you think Cam needs to get the surgery and just be like, listen, if you got to cut me, cut me. It's been an incredible run. I will sign somewhere else. Well, don't forget, uh, six weeks or so ago, Cam Newton actually admitted that he tried to hide the injury. He wanted to play through it. They started 0-2. That's when they turned to Kyle Allen. And here we are seven or eight weeks later, and, and that's a wrap. So, yeah, I, I think Brady's right. I think you're right. I think you get the surgery and you look forward to the 2019-2020 season. It'll be by that point. But I don't know if – Athletes are wired that way. They're so competitive. They want to win right away. Cam sees that he's not a part of this team that's now winning football games. He probably has a lot of things going through his mind. We've talked about the contract. 
uh, situation for Cam. He has one more year left on his deal. We mentioned on the, la- on the last pick six pod, the emergency pod. So I'm sure he's doing that calculus as well. And here's what I'll put out there for you. And Brady hinted, hinted at this. Do we know that there's a team that's going to pay Cam? Uh, let's say he gets the surgery and he's ready to go in June or July. What Cam's going, going to want to be paid? Because it's going to be, I would imagine, a $30 million a year uh, category. And I don't know. Look, there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, but I don't know if there's a team that wants to take a flyer on a guy who's 30-plus at this point, ton of injuries, and you don't know what his availability and productivity level will be in 2020. It's a valid question, and I think the my response to that will be, yeah, there's definitely going to be a need. I think there might be a suitor, too, someone to be willing to pay him. Maybe not $30 million as far as his average annual salary, but close to that um, because he's proven in this league. He's a rare talent as far as his size and ability. And if he can play the way he did last year, at least from the pocket – I think it makes you think that maybe he could continue to progress and grow. Um, my only concern is just, does he want to? Like, does he want to start over with a new team in a new city? And it, it's a valid question because he's made a bunch of money. He's had success. He strikes me as the type of guy that could be potentially into other things off the field. I think he'd be great in TV if you wanted to. I think he'd be great in a, you know, whatever else he wants to do. And you know, he could be one of those players that walks away from the game a lot sooner than we thought in part because of the way he plays it. And I think it's probably physically tough for him to deal with, but also because he's got other interests and I think he's talented. So uh, if he was, if he was to walk away, I can't honestly tell you that I'd be shocked, even though there would be a need for him, even though there would be some suitors out there for him, maybe they don't want to pay him exactly what he wants, uh, but they'd obviously pay him a lot of money to come and play for them, whether it be a stopgap or to, to potentially be their guy for the foreseeable future. Either way, I think that scenario could play out. All right, let's let's uh let's kind of rank Carolina within the context of the most uncertain quarterback situations, and um I think Carolina's right up there. I think to me this is it's like at least the Bears know they don't have the answer. The Panthers have no clue which way this is all going to roll, and it's possible that everybody gets fired and Cam is released, and the owner decides just to move on entirely. Um, who has the most uncertain quarterback situation? In the NFL, is that too broad of a question, or do you would you fellas have an idea about who you would pick in front of the list that might magically be sitting in front of you? I think Carolina's an interesting one. I mean, because it could be anything next what? year. It could it, it could be Cam still there. It could be potentially Will Allen if he you know, or excuse me, Kyle Allen if he plays well enough. Maybe he's part of it. I don't think Will Greer because he would have gotten an opportunity now and he hasn't. Um, and it could be a draft pick. So I, I mean, that's, that's a big-time question mark. Denver's the other one to me that I think is mm. really interesting. I mean, you've got Joe Flacco with a neck injury that's, that's serious, and he's out for the rest of the season. You've got Drew Locke, who you know isn't ready physically, but I don't know that he looked like he was ready anyway uh, before that to come in and play. And then Brandon Allen, who looked great in, in his only start versus the Cleveland Browns, but we don't know what that's going to be. So there's just huge question marks about you know Denver and – what happens after this season? Like those are the, the the two teams that I look at and say, you really don't have any clue. I think you could very easily see Jacksonville bringing both Foles and Gardner Minshew back, and then Chicago. Look, we could say that Mitchell Trubisky is not the guy. I would not be shocked if they don't pick up his fifth year option because it at least gives them control of a guy that someone else might be high on. They can get something back in return for uh, you know to use in the draft in the future and. Maybe they want to be patient with him. You know, he didn't play, again, he didn't play a lot of college football. Maybe they want to be patient with him, continue to give him more opportunities to try to grow. 
No, I'm with you 100%. I think they will pick up a fifth-year option. And I think people will freak the bleep, freak the geek bleep out, whatever it is, uh, because it's Mr. Trubisky and he gets people all hot and bothered. The, with the Broncos, man, I mean, I guess I didn't realize this because I just don't spend my free time looking at Joe Flacco's contract because it's just too depressing based on my stupid Broncos pick. Uh, but he would be 13. Like if they cut him, if they have a post June one release, which means he's going to, you know, soak up a ton of your salary cap space, 23.65 million, um, until June 1st, which makes it difficult to maneuver around it. Uh, you know, they could, uh, they would only have 3.4 million debt against the cap next year, but 10 million the year after that. If they cut him after the season, this $13.6 million in dead cap it. I mean, they'll save $10 million, but man, I mean, this is what a disaster by John Elway. I, I don't, there's no one to hold him accountable, but jeez, buddy. Hey, just, just don't, say don't, don't forget, Ryan, he won two Super Bowls. Yeah, no, that's right. Another bowl move by John Elway. Look, I will say this though about Carolina, three Super Bowls. Thank you, Brinson. They actually, well, at least they have uh, options. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Brinson's always, hit, Boomer's always getting the last word, Brady, so let Boomer have the last word. <laughs> the Panthers have options with Allen, with Will Greer. We don't know what we have in him, but at least he's there. He's a third round pick. And then of course, what they decide to do with Cam. But I think teams like Tennessee and Tampa Bay, where Mariota and Winston are in the last year of their uh, fifth year options, I can't imagine either of those guys come back. Certainly Mariota. Maybe Bruce Arians says something with, with Jameis, but again, you have to pay him. I would think they would be moving on. So those are huge question marks there. We know about Miami going to have, they have the number four pick right now. So they're going to be in the market for a quarterback, even though they traded for Josh Rosen, who could be another bargaining ship for another team next offseason in the market for a quarterback. And of course the Bengals are somehow the worst team in football. So I think those teams have a lot more question marks than a team like Carolina, who at least have depth and, and some semblance of having a solution, whether it's short-term or, or long-term. And um, the Drew Locke thing's going to be interesting. I thought I liked him a lot last year coming out. I thought he had a pretty good senior bowl. He looked like dog doo-doo in preseason, and then they put him on IR. I don't know if that system's going to work for anyone. As you point out, Brinson, uh, John Elway isn't doing anyone any favors. And it wouldn't be completely and totally shocking. They're going to have a top-ten pick probably unless they play the Browns every week. Sorry, Brady. But if they target another quarterback, because that's something that John Elway I feel like would do. Mm. What would you who would you rather be, Brady? Miami or Chicago? Was I already asked this question? Did I, I, feel, did, like I, I feel like I was already asked this question by Pete Prisco, or maybe it was someone else. I don't know. You um, would know, Brady. Well, who would we you were, rather we be, were, Miami or I, Chicago? Well, no, you know what it was. Pete asked me, "Would I rather be the New York Jets? Or would I rather be the Miami Dolphins?" Yeah. And, and his whole thing was, why would you want to be the Jets? You got all those picks. You know, you can draft whoever you want. You can start over. And I was like, well, that's great if I'm their general manager or head coach right now. But you're also assuming that all that's going to work out. And like, how many of those draft picks are actually going to be guys who are cornerstones of your team? Like, I do think Sam Darnold's a franchise quarterback. I just don't think he has any help around him right now. Um, that, that, you know, and again, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but you know, there's, there's a lot of issues right now for the New York Jets. So, you know, you can maybe make the case about the Bears too, as far as how they're playing. Uh, and now a lot of it might have to do with Mitch Trubisky. You know, the other thing is, I don't know how bad his shoulder is. Maybe it's bothering him a little bit. Um, I know it's his off arm, but still, that plays a factor. And we can talk about like what I would do if I'm Matt Nagy right now, and how I can get my team back, and how I can, you know, potentially make us competitive again. But the Miami Dolphins are in a good spot because if they don't think they have their quarterback on the roster, which they don't, and I think we all can agree upon that. They can go find one in this year's draft, and I think there's a number number of really good candidates, whether it's Tua Tagovailoa, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, whoever you want to start throwing into that conversation. Uh, but but the bottom line is, 
they're building towards something. So for me, I think if I'm looking at the division and also the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to be in the NFC North for a few more years, I'm not sure how much longer Tom Brady's going to play. So for that reason, like I think eventually he'll move on. Maybe eventually Bill Belichick retires. All of a sudden that opens everything up in that division. You know, whether Josh McDaniels ends up being the heir apparent or not, there's still a lot of holes that you have to kind of fill in for and plug in. And so I think it would be good to be the Miami Dolphins. I just don't know if Brian Flores and Chris Greer survive what they've done. You know, if this team goes one and fifteen this year, which I think it very likely could, uh, maybe two and fourteen. But if it does, do they even get to a year three or four? Because you can draft, you know, draft all the guys you want. There's still young players in this league. We, we typically don't see teams that you know have the number one overall pick, then all of a sudden drastically change the following year. Two years later, three years later, look at the Cleveland Browns. They're a two-win football team right now. So uh, I just think the whole idea of tanking and everything else that goes along with it, usually the guy who's the head coach and the general manager who are there at the time when they take on that approach, they don't end up surviving it. Mm. So Matt Nagy, what do you think the chances are that the Bears, Ryan, would dive back into the draft for another quarterback? Well, they don't have a first-round pick, so that's a problem, uh, <laughs> part of the Cleveland Mack trade. So they're, they're over a barrel. Um, I suppose you could – you could move the. Will the knows a lot about pick. that, Ryan. <laughs> oh, he didn't like that already. You could move the first round pick in the in the next draft, maybe. But I mean, then you just keep kicking the can down the road. Ryan Pace is trying to solve these problems that he himself has created. I don't know where you go. I I, I wasn't joking when I said last week and maybe two weeks before that that the the Bears should be on the phone with the Bengals about maybe getting Andy Dalton on a short term solution. The Bengals didn't even think about trading Andy Dalton until 12 minutes before the trade deadline. So that never came to fruition, but there are going to be quarterbacks out there on the market. But if you're Ryan Pace, if you're Matt Nagy, do you want Marcus Mariota? Isn't he just a rich man's Mr. Biscay? Jameis Winston's a turnover machine. So you're going to have to find a bridge guy and then reevaluate unless you get lucky and find a quarterback in the second or third round uh, next draft. But again, and Brady just hit on this, you're not going to develop these guys right away overnight and have them go out there and start winning football games. I just feel like with an Andy Dalton, you're not wasting that defense that is now getting wasted. At least you have a chance in the second half to, to compete. And now they're third in a division where they could very easily be near the top. Mm. Yeah, mm. they might stink for a long time. I mean, they mm. might be bad. They might be terrible. Mm. I'm sort of thinking, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You, you, uh, start, like, just you know, stroking your beard there, buddy. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That, that looks more natural. If you want to watch me stroke my beard, which is a phrase I regret saying already, yeah. you can go to YouTube.com. <laughs> watch me stroke my beard online. First it was Brinson uh, sucks. Now it's Brinson strokes. <laughs> That's on the back of the hat. <laughs> <laughs> While he's been over like, a barrel. Interesting. Okay. Jeez. What the what? Need a radar. Uh, Brady's on the old Brady Quinn podcast. But uh, you can go to youtube.com slash CBS Sports and you can uh, you can check that out. All right. Uh, what do you think about the Chargers moving to London, Brady? Because to me, it's fascinating from like a messing around. Like I did, I did a whole story before the Chargers came out and emphatically denied like F and BS. Like we're not going there. That's never happened. And we love LA. It's like you just moved two years ago, first of all. Uh, but second of all, it's like crazy to think about all the things that would go into an NFL team being in London and trying to figure out the schedule and how they would do it. Like I was bringing t- a team over in blocks of like four games at a time. So you would fly to New York. Uh, let's say you moved to the AFC East in this hypothetical that the athletic posited. Um, you know, you flip the Dolphins to the AFC South. 
the Texans to the AFC West, the Chargers to the AFC East. Chargers come over, land in New York, play the Jets, uh, fly to Cincinnati, play the Bengals, fly to LA, play the Rams, fly to Seattle, play the Seahawks, um, and then fly back home to London for their bye week and then have four home games. I mean, how feasible is all of this if, if, if they ever really wanted to go down that path, which it sounds like they might not actually be doing. Right. You know, the, the owner coming out in denial of this, um, one tells us a couple, I think a couple things. For starters, they got some sponsorships, all right, in, in the works, okay? Ooh. So don't mess it up with some of these rumors and things where they might end up moving again, whether it's London or <clears throat> St. Louis, maybe back to San Diego. I don't know. Oakland could use a team after this year, right? The Raiders are moving, but I don't think anyone wants to play in that rat-infested dump that is the uh, O.co. Um <clears throat> So this is the baseball team still plays. Like, right. Right. Did we just say this is the last game an NFL team will ever play on a baseball field? No, we forgot about the Chargers. Um, no. So <laughs> I, I, I think there's a chance that they one may move if history tends to repeat itself. Uh, he, I don't think he wants to hurt whatever money or potential negotiations and, and talks are going on right now uh, as they are set to obviously share the stadium uh, with the Rams. We know they're having a hard time selling PSLs. Uh, that's been widely reported. So, it's not that crazy of an idea to think, all right, this team is obviously having a hard time figuring out like how to make it work in LA. Easiest solution would be just to try to go back down to San Diego. Maybe you can figure out a way of making it work. I don't know. The London idea is interesting to me. One, because I'm the type of player where if I'd gotten drafted to a team that was based in London, I would have thought it was cool, to be quite honest with you. Even though logistically it'd be difficult, and I think the team would be at a disadvantage because of some of the things that, you know, Pete and I discussed earlier today on HQ. You know, how would you be able to go out and work out players during the course uh, of the week? Typically Tuesdays are the off day, and that's the day that you get a lot of scouts coming in to work out guys to fill the back end of your roster or the practice squad. Uh, in theory, that seems like a big hurdle, but how many of those guys are actually impacting your team when it comes down to it? So that's not the biggest issue. The issue is the scheduling, as you noted, Will, and it comes down to this. They would have to essentially go in quarters of the season – over to the States to play maybe four or three games, depending on how many or two games, depending on how many times they want to stay over there before they have to take the long trip back. And then they come back and you'd obviously, they'd be home for their eight games. However, do you want to spread it out over the course of the year? I think it's doable. I think that it's actually feasible. I think London's ready for a team. From my experience going out, there's a player. This is back in 2010. Uh, people loved it. Like, like there, it was a packed crowd. People had so many questions. They were so interested about the game. Uh, I think what NFL Europe brought uh, it really was the foundation to a lot of the desire to, to bring a team to London now, or at least uh, the, the fandom that you see now in London was started by NFL Europe and, and kind of raising the curiosity for a lot of people. And we've also got a few more international players, so I think that plays into it. But, uh, you know, will this happen anytime soon? Probably not. Uh, but I, I do think there will eventually be a team in London. I don't know if it's the Chargers. Maybe it's more the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe it's an expansion team. I, I'm not sure, um, but I don't think it's the craziest idea. And I don't read too much into what an owner says or what anyone says, you know, nowadays in the NFL because we've also seen them turn on their turn on their word in a heartbeat. So uh, Brady, a, a few things, and one of the things I'd be concerned about if I were like the GM or the owner or even the coach who sort of pays attention to analytics is that the farther you travel, the less likely you are to win the game. Um, Brinson's good buddy, uh, Bill Barnwell wrote about this at, at, uh, Grantland actually back in 2012 and, and did the math. And your percentage, winning percentage drops every thousand miles that you travel away from your home base. So that's a concern because you're going to do a ton of traveling. Number two, if they swap these divisions around hypothetically and we see the Chargers in the AFC East, I can't imagine Bill Belichick's going to have a conversation where he's going to be like, yeah, sure. I will go to London every year. 
uh, throw my whole schedule up in, into upheaval just so I can placate all these owners to, to make this happen. And finally, Brady and Brinson laughed at me about this when we talked about it on the pod yesterday. You got to think about the taxes when you go international. You're gonna be paying a lot more money out. And um, look, players who make two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year, they're not gonna want to give up all that money just so some owners can make a ton more money on their backs because they're playing in another country when they could be playing in uh, a soccer stadium in Carson, California, for example. It's it's a very valid point, and it'd be tough for free agency. You know, you know, people think that like guys don't factor that kind of stuff in, and I bring it up sometimes when I do my radio show uh, on on SiriusXM, and it's legitimate. Like when you're trying to compare between a couple teams, you're looking at the contract that's offered to you. Of course, you're going to look at over the period of time, you know, how much money you're saving based on the state income tax. If, for example, I want to play in a warm weather state, and I look at California and I look at Florida, you're talking about thirteen percent, thirteen cents on every dollar you make is going to the state of California versus Florida. And, and so it, it's a no-brainer depending on what the offer is at times. And you know, furthermore to that, think about marketing money, especially if you're a top-dollar player. If you reside in that state, again, all the additional money that you're making off of the field is going to be taxed either as compared to, again, if you played or resided in a state that does have a state income tax. So all those things end up playing a factor. And there's no doubt looking at how players would be taxed going over to London – uh, it's punitive in New York or, or New Jersey. It's punitive in, in California. It's going to be even more punitive if you're going to be a player that's playing on a team over in London. And obviously it's going to hurt them in free agency and the deals that they can offer someone. Yeah, just really quickly on the schedule stuff too. Like, you know, the athletics sort of floated it out there as if like, yeah, if there was a playoff game, you know, they'd probably have to move quickly on it. It's like, if there's a playoff game in London, I mean, that's great for the NFL in terms of preparing it. But, like, how mad would you be as a player if you had to leave to go to London and play a playoff game against maybe a team that had, like, finished their season over there and it was, it was sitting in, like, sitting in London? You're getting hosed in that situation, right? Right. Hey, can I, um, can I point out one thing? Cause I'm, I'm looking at an article written by, uh, our buddy John Breach. This is back in June of, uh, June 3rd, 2013. And, yeah. um, he's talking about the Raiders, how they'll travel the most of anyone this season. They'll travel 32,000 miles. Um, and, and that's more than anyone else. In fact, it's more than the Bills, Giants, and Jets who will travel combined 23,552 miles. So those three teams combined. The interesting thing is who has the better record? Well, obviously the Bills have a, a good record, but Giants and Jets aren't doing much. And, and Oakland's still competitive. They're a 500 team at this point. So, uh, even with all that travel, it doesn't seem like it is or doesn't appear as if it's hurt them so far. Maybe that'll change down the stretch. We'll have to wait and see, but it's just kind of interesting since we talked about the toll, Ryan, you, t- you know, pointed out earlier, and this is on a much smaller sample size than I'm sure what you referred to. It would be interesting to see how that would play a factor on the team and their competitiveness. Uh, Brady, repeat after me. Breach is trash and so are the Bengals. Wow. Uh, I'm not going to say <laughs> uh, that. I'm going to say it so we can record the audio and then play it back for John on a later podcast. No, I'm not doing that. I am not doing that, all right? I'm a team player here, Will. I don't know what kind of shenanigans you're trying to make me a part of, okay? You say shenanigans one more time. Uh, the, uh, by the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers, we talked about travel stuff in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers intimated after the loss to the Chargers, and certainly wish we'd known this beforehand, uh, something similar to what you pointed out about Miami. Um, we've got to be honest with our routine and the decisions we made in the last 48 hours and make sure that our head is in the right place the next time we come on a big road trip. I don't think it was complacency at all. I just think whether it was the trip, not everybody taking care of themselves the right way over the two days, or we were just tired, or the differences in temperature. But those are just excuses, and the facts are that we weren't locked in from the start, and that's a little disappointing. I mean, I don't want to say 
I don't want to read between the lines and quote Aaron Rodgers here, but if I were if I were to do that, he would be saying, "Y'all dudes were hungover, and you showed up at four o'clock on Sunday, smelling like booze, and you played like crap. Why'd you do that?" I mean, NFL players are going to be NFL players, man. Um, <laughs> you know, and I don't know. My understanding of when they got out there was actually they got out there was Saturday. So uh, my understanding is they got out there a day before the game, instead of two days, where if they wanted to have their fun, they could have went out two days ahead of time, got the partying in, sobered up Saturday, played on Sunday. Now, do I recommend that? No, but this is the reality of how things work in the league. I was a part of teams, and I'm not going to name names. There were players in that team who would go out the night before a game, even before a 1 o'clock kick. And no. if they were in a big city, they'd full and well take advantage of that. They'd go out to the clubs. They'd go out to, you know, other clubs. And, and they would enjoy themselves and they'd come up and play the game. And I gotta be honest with you. Sometimes it didn't pack their play. Other times it didn't. You know, there were some guys who had the ability to work hard, play hard, much like you will, Brinson, because I've witnessed <laughs> this firsthand at a Super Bowl. Ryan, you can, you, you can speak to this. Uh, you work hard, you play hard, you figure out a way of making it work. There are players like that who operate like, like that in the NFL. So, uh, look, did they look sluggish? Yes. Was that reported before the game? A little bit, yes. I talked to one of my buddies who is with a different network, and he had said, man, these guys are, in his case, dragging ass, is how he described it before the game. You've got to text me and tell me that. you gotta, you got to text us and be like, hey, FYI, hammer the Chargers. The Packers are <laughs> dragging ass. Okay, unfortunately, I was kind of doing a bunch of other things at that point in time. Didn't really you, think you had to a say. Job? You could text me about betting on 425 NFL games? Come on, Brady. Would you have a yeah. family? Wife, no. kid, get out of yep. here. There's a few other things going on, but next time I'll make sure to keep you in mind. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but I mean, look, that's not. a, re- I, I don't, I don't think you are. Um, no, I mean, that's a reality. You're talking about 20, 20 somethings with a lot of money They're going to LA. I mean, like, what are they going to like sit in a hotel room and play? Can I say this though? LA, the party scene, it's nice, but they don't really stay open that late. I mean, look, LA, the bars close at 2 a.m. Okay. If they're doing last call in LA, it's like a 115, okay? It's not like Miami where they're open all night or New York, New York all night, okay? Completely different scene. And so I always feel like you can only party so much in LA if you're really going to go that route. That's my only gripe against LA is they don't really keep stuff open that late. Mm, fair enough. New York, late. Miami, late. LA, Vegas late. in the future, late. Right. Yeah. Like people can be having fun at Dre's all the time. Memo Dre's. Oh, so you don't know? No, I don't know. I'm not a former Boomer. NFL player. What's that? I said Boomer. You didn't know. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to take a break so I can find out what Dre's is from Brady. When we come back, we'll talk some mock draft, a little college action, and then do some five star questions. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Braid Queen Football Show. Maybe that could be our new theme song. All right. Let's talk about porno music. Hey. Really? Is that what I was going for? (laughs) How excited are you guys for Saturday? 3.30 p.m. Eastern, LSU and Bama on the SEC on CBS. Excitement level, Ryan. What are where you at? Burrow, Tua, where you at here? Uh, I'm doing a quick count. I think I have like 15 guys I scribbled down that could be potential like first, second, third round picks in that game. It could be higher. I have to, have to do the tally. So it's going to be it's going to be awesome for uh the carryover from college football to the NFL perspective, because this is going to be a lot of the talking points of the draft. Tua, you mentioned Burrow, all those wide receivers at Alabama, you mentioned. And Brady and, and Brinson, I want to ask you this question, because someone put this on Twitter, and I think it's a really good question. So, Brady, are you taking Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, uh, Henry Ruggs III, Jalen Waddell, or are you taking Clemson's 2012 wide receiver class, which was Martavis Bryant, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Humphreys, Jerron Brown. Uh, it's tough to answer. I mean, look, you, you're already seeing what those guys are doing now in the NFL, and especially con- considering DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, one of the best. I mean, he's right up there with the, the Julio Jones of the world as far as how good he is. So, I, I don't really even want to answer it because I think it's it's one speculative for Alabama, and it stinks because you you take Clemson right now. At least I would. When you hear those names, you think about the, those players' impacts. Because I have, you know, I'm not sure Smith is a little slight of frame. Not sure how the transition over the NFL, especially having to go up against you know bigger, just as fast cornerbacks. How will he end? I mean, all those guys are talented, and Jerry Judy looks like he's gonna be really talented. But if he's with a bad situation on a bad team, maybe he's not getting the football quite as much. So it, I, I hate that kind of stuff. I will say this about there's wide receivers. Right. Hey, stop. No, I just right. it, it, it's hard when you have to go back and look at a group that what do you say from 2012? I think yeah. you said. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it's it's tough. It's tough to be able to answer that question. I, I would just say this about um, this matchup. It's going to in large part give us uh, a thought on really how we feel about each one of these quarterbacks for what, especially what Ryan has to do moving forward with a lot of these mock drafts. Uh, how this game is played by Joe Burrow or Tua Tagovailoa. And for me, it's interesting because you'd say like, oh, well, Joe Burrow's already beat two top ten opponents. He's looked great this year. Like, Tua's got more to prove. He's coming off an ankle surgery and, you know, three weeks' time to complain this. You know, he's got more to prove. But we've seen Tua in big moments. Like, we've seen him in big games often. Like, I don't have as many questions about Tua Tagovailoa as a quarterback as I do Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was not even anywhere close to what he was as a quarterback last year compared to this year. And there's a reason why you end up transferring from Ohio State. And so if of all those, like you got to start really being picky about this as you move forward because are you being fooled by Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall and some of the talented guys he's throwing to and, and maybe this system that Joe Brady has helped um, their play caller with? Or is it about Joe Burrow? Has he really just taken that big of a stride? 
I think this game will give you know shed a little bit of light on that. The last thing I'll just say about these two teams, I mean, largely depending on how the game goes, if it's a close game, I think you may get both teams actually potentially playing again in the college football playoff. If Alabama loses, they probably have a lesser case to make to get into the playoff. If LSU loses on the road versus Bama, it's maybe a little more justifiable combined with what they've already done this year in their, on their schedule. So that, that scenario, if it played out, I think you could have a better chance of getting two teams from the SEC in as compared to if Alabama was to lose because their schedule has been a little bit weaker this year. So, uh, just my two cents on the whole, you know, ordeal, but I do think it's, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. The only thing I could screw it up. The only thing I could screw it up is if the college football playoff committee tonight comes out and makes them two versus three, then it just doesn't make it feel as big compared to one versus two. And I think there's a really good chance they put Ohio State at number one. LSU would be two. Bama would be three. So I think that, that actually may happen. Well, you know what? Um, since not to go uh, on a conspiracy theory here, but uh, and where is college game day going to be in uh, in in this coming week? Tuscaloosa. Okay, it's going to be in Tuscaloosa. Okay, okay. So it doesn't because I was going to say if you know hypothetically college game day was somewhere other than there, uh, and you wanted to throw the shine off the CBS game, you would make them two and three versus one and two, just hypothetically. No, but they'll, game they'll, they'll there, be there for so Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brady. Quick question too. Would uh, Would you take the 2019 LSU receiving uh, class or the 2000? Uh, and uh, six Notre Dame receiving class. Notre Dame all the way, man. I'm loyal to those guys. Start. Come on now, Samarja. Give my guy Samarja any 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 day of the week, man. That was that was the guy. And obviously, I uh, didn't have Maurice Stovall. If you would have said 2005, I would have had Samarja, Maurice Stovall, and Raymond McKnight. 2006, I only had Rama and uh, and, and Samarja. David Grimes was young at the time. He he came in uh, too and played a role. But uh, Stovall had been drafted the year before, so I got to give some love to my big guy, Maurice Stovall. Um, and and by the way, uh, they're dominating the softball league too with Marge and, and Brady. Oh yeah, that's right. By the way, if you even if you don't have cable and you want to watch this game, you can go and watch cbssports.com/sec. That's all you got to put in. Wow, it's easy. Or fire up the app, the CBS Sports app. I'm not even. This plug's not even on my rundown. That's how much I love this wow. company and love Ooh. sports. You go to that website and you can watch for free. So go to cbssports.com slash, I'm pretty sure, slash SEC and, uh, and check that out or download the CBS Sports app and you can watch LSU Alabama for free if you don't have cable is my understanding. Hey, so, so, yeah, right. Add one more thing real quick. I, I was talking to someone in the league the other day. They think Jerry Judy, there's a chance, Brady, and I'm looking forward to your grimace when I say this, could be better as an Alabama wide receiver than Julio Jones. Brady doesn't like it. Also quickly, Joe Brady. We married alum. Thank you very much. <laughs> well done. Way to get that plug in there for him. Cause he has been a big difference, uh, for Joe Burrow this year and just what their offense looks like in particular passing the football. But I, I can't subscribe to that with Jerry Judy. And the only reason I say that is one, the, the slight frame. I don't even know if he's as thick and as powerful and explosive as Julio is. Um, and, and Judy's going to have to put on some, some weight. He's going to have to put on some muscle mass, I think, because as elusive as he is and as good as he is separating in college, it becomes a lot more difficult at the NFL level uh, with these guys and how big they are and how fast they are. So uh, something that I think I, I still want to see from him, and again, you're talking about Julio Jones, who I would say is the best wide receiver in the NFL, regardless of how the Falcons are, are doing this year. Uh, he's number one to me, so I, I have a hard time believing that. 
Uh, maybe he can just be a rich man's Calvin Ridley or something. Uh, you have Jerry Judy going number nine to the Broncos, Ryan Wilson. That would be pretty awesome to watch Drew Locke under and overthrow both Cortland Sutton <laughs> and Jerry Judy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Manny Sanders would love it. He's like, so yeah, I told you. I told you. That's why I tried to get out of there. Uh, yeah. Well, we don't know who's, who John Elway is going to sign. He'll sign three or four quarterbacks in the offseason, draft three or four more. So we don't know who's going to be short hopping balls to Jerry Judy, but he makes sense in terms of being a Manny Sanders replacement. He'll sign three or four, draft three or four. It's, it's this, like, is John Elway going to have a job? Like, are we really entrusting who, him with making the next pick? Who's firing him? They don't even well, know Joe, him. Joe Ellis would be the person who, even when Pat Bolden was there, when I was there with the Broncos, um, and, and if Pat wasn't around, you know, Joe Ellis really had a strong grip on, on how that organization ran, especially going through a coaching change from Josh McDaniels to interim head coach Eric Studisville and then to John Fox. He, he had a pretty significant role uh, in, in everything we kind of did there. And they, they did bring in John Elway during that transition between 2010 and 2011 where they hired John Fox, Elway was kind of a part of that. Because I think I told you guys before, the first conversation I ever had with John Elway was, hey, man, great to meet you. Uh, can you guys release me? <laughs> and Because and, and I, I wanted to try to go somewhere else and have an opportunity to play, and I was kind of done with the whole scenario, what was going on then. What did he say? Um, he said he, – he was really taken back by it, uh, which was kind of the whole point of the conversation was to, to try to kind of – surprise him and then say, okay, like, let's make this happen. You got a disgruntled employee. Just let them go on their merry way. Um, and he was like, you know, I just got here and uh, I hear great things about you. really like you. And I haven't really had a chance to even evaluate moving forward and got to talk to the coach. You know, all the kind of stuff you hear from a general manager who at that point, you know, he one, I don't even know if he had the control or power to do that yet. And then two, I would just say, you know, it was probably a little bit early in the process, but I'm the type of person where I'd like to kind of, you know, get a little jump into it and try to make sure I could get out there in free agency and have the chance to, to, you know, work out for some of the other teams or get looked at by their teams and have the opportunity to go play. Uh, I mean, heck, you know, Will knows this. I try to start this podcast every day when we tape it 15 minutes earlier than, than he would like to, but he always procrastinates. It's true. You know what the thing is? Even if that's a lie, no one's going to believe it. Like, no one's going to be like, Brinson's, Brinson's definitely on time, and Brady's the late one. Uh, nobody will believe that. Ryan, Ryan's, Ryan's been sitting in that chair since like 4.35. I was going to say, Ryan is the most responsible of the three of us. Oh, by far. And the most likable. He's not helping I'll either. say that too. Definitely the most yeah. likable. Um, I don't know where I was going with that next. Can, can, oh, yeah, I don't really care either. Hey, um, as far as the mock draft goes, I do think you, you brought up an interesting thing earlier today when we were talking about it, Ryan. You've got Chase Young going number two overall, yeah. uh, to the Redskins. And I, I like it for a few reasons. One, you know, they're, they're a little bit devoid. I mean, Montez Sweat's done a good job this year. I think he has two and a half sacks on the season so far. Um, but they're a little bit devoid of just getting more edge pressure like that. And I think he's probably too good to pass up on. You know, if you're the Redskins, they drafted Haskins last year, so I don't know that they need a quarterback. Um, but that's an interesting one because, you know, if, if I'm the Redskins, I don't even know if they stay in that spot, right? Like, I think you're going to see a year where you at least see a one, two quarterbacks, maybe one, two, three, depending on how people feel about Herbert. And I think if you're Washington, you need so much help. You trade out of it, accumulate more picks and maybe you're trading with the Jets or maybe you're trading back with, you know, in this scenario, uh, the Dolphins because they need a quarterback. So they'd trade up to take one. And I'm sure that's going to be a, a mock draft that comes out at some point. Uh, but that is one thing that I'd say like, I could see. Washington taking Chase Young, I could just see them trading back and then, you know, with a team that's going to take a quarterback and then them taking him at four or three, depending on how far they trade back. And that's Ooh. the thing. 
the Dolphins won, so they didn't help themselves with the tanking for Tua situation. So if they keep winning, and by keep winning, if they beat the the um, the Bengals, let's say, in I think week 16, they may have to use some of those picks to get back up there if they fall in love with Joe Burrow, for example, or if they're trying to out outbid the Bengals. Um, could even be a situation, Brinson, where the Bengals are one, the Dolphins um, maybe end up at two, and the Dolphins trade up with the Bengals because they want two or more than than uh, Cincinnati, and they they'll settle for Joe Burrow or something. So it could be a lot of craziness in the next months. Yeah, I think if you're the Redskins, and um, and by the way, just so people who didn't watch on YouTube will know, uh, the top five uh, for here's the top ten for Ryan's mock draft: Bengals take Tua at one, uh, Redskins take Chase Young at two, Jets take Andrew Thomas at three, Dolphins get Joe Burrow at four, Isaiah Simmons to the Falcons at five. I'll read the first five. Um, it would be look, it behooves the Redskins. Ironically, now like the Redskins would be better off if they'd lost to the Dolphins because the Redskins aren't going to win any games. And if the Dolphins fall down and desperately need a quarterback, they might be willing to trade those multiple picks up to get that quarterback you could trade down. So if you're the Redskins, you want the Dolphins to keep winning. Um, and you know, I guess you don't care what the, if the Redskins ended up with the first overall pick, I don't know that the Bengals would trade up to get it, but I think that Miami would at least consider it. Um, I don't know if you have an auction. There's not a ton of teams out there, but you could. You want you want Miami to try to trade up with those picks, I think, if you're if you're the Redskins. Uh okay. Moving along. We have five star questions. People leave five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Hey, can I break in real quick before we get the five star questions? Because we do have our boss here, Kieran Porley. He he wants to be on the pod, he wants to be a part of it, and he's sitting here in the room right now. I, he actually just gave me an old WWE gesture. I'm not gonna say what it was, but um <laughs> they just I think, I think Wilson knows where I'm going with that one. What's the, the, the he's asking the Will when did you get the screen over your mic? Uh, he's he's very perplexed by it, and Port wants to know when you get the screen over your mic. Uh, it's been there for a long time, the entire time we've done the show. Yeah, you can actually see there's spit on his uh, screen. If you if you go into the single shot, you'll see he's wiping it off now to try to cover it. But you can see see how there's a little bit of spit. Yeah, a little bit of moisture there, a little bit of moisture accumulated. It's a it's a dent. If you're if you're actually uh, if you're gonna die in a desert, if you need any need any water, there's enough. There's enough water. There's enough, uh, some sort of liquid on that that came from Will Brinson. You could survive for another day in the Mojave Desert. So think about that. Mm. Mm. There's, there, there's my play by play. Look at that thing. It's just using spitting up the whole time. I don't know if it's like remnants it's just, from what it, was in your beard or what's going on. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's because every time I do HQ, I got to change. I got to put the mic out and plug the little lav mic in. And so the mic goes down. It gets dinged up. My dog comes well, in. And he I'm gonna cut it. you off before you go any further because that happens way too often on this show. Uh, Ryan, one thing you gotta notice: Did you know Port one time actually mandated that Brinson cut his hair because it just looked so disheveled and so bad? Did you know this? I did not, but that is a fantastic story. And true to Brinson form, true to Boomer form, he didn't listen. He just went crazy. 100%. Same hairdo. Hey, hey Port, Port. what's up, man? How you doing, Billy? Billy boy, clean it up. <laughs> what's up, man? How you doing? Shave it up. <laughs> Time to shave. Shave something. He uh, he was talking about. <laughs> this is my favorite episode of all time, Port, because you're here right now. He was talking about uh, what were you saying about the hat, the the hat you made for your wife. Can you can you can you say this again? Can you? No. What was no. Going are we on? done with that? Okay. He's very I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get us all in trouble. Um, <laughs> is he is he in, is he seriously suggesting I need to shave? Is that what he's saying? See, look how scared no. he is right now, Ryan. Look at it. He just goes, no seriously suggesting I need to shave. It's no shave November. You're allowed to. Yeah, come on, man. I like my, I like my beard. No, it's a good beard. It's very fitting for you. Yeah. 
Your boss doesn't like it, but you like it. I think you should keep it. That would be the smart. Will it? It makes you look smart too. Ryan's got a beard. Yeah, but Ryan already is smart. Whether he has the beard or not, he looks smart. You need the beard to look smart. Thank you. Oh my god. Hey, uh, you know what we call this? A tough day for Boomer. Whoever whoever called you Boomer on Twitter, I'm going to follow them and every day thank the Lucky Stars they called you Boomer because that is such a – it makes you so angry and it makes me so happy. This is one of the best days of my life. I just didn't, <laughs> this I is one of the best people. days of Ryan's life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is amazing. The birth of my children, marriage, nope. when someone called Will Brinson Boomer on Twitter. Amazing. Okay. Somebody dragged Brinson. Um, okay. Back to the podcast. <laughs> Oh God! He someone's getting his life is all about potting. God forbid he, he he distracts himself from from anything else. He's got a pod. That's what he's got. A pod and and Twitter. I mean, at some point in the next five minutes, y'all two are going to yell at me for it taking too long. You go, like, what's going on here? What this is, this is our turn. This is our turn to take too long because you do this to our listeners all the time. I'm not in a hurry. I don't know the NC State. We know that. Long. I know. Was Michigan State uh, Kentucky play tonight? By the way. Yes, and mm-hmm. Kansas and Duke. Well, t- t- they played last night. They played last night. But we are recording. If you're watching the YouTube, they're playing tonight. If you're listening to the audio, they played last night. Got you. Okay, I see what you're doing. Um, man, I hope Notre Dame makes college football playoff this year. Uh, <laughs> you trying to throw <laughs> daggers at me? Look, they're not going to make it. I-, I know that. I'm willing to admit that. They barely beat Virginia <laughs> Tech this past week. But I will say this. They would absolutely teabag NC State this year. There you go. <laughs> they would. God, they'd be so bad. We got we got teabagged by Boston College and Wake Forest. So yeah, yeah. You get teabagged a lot, Brinson. <laughs> there you go. You got it in there. That's Somebody the clip and clip and save. Um, okay, Brady, we got asked a question um, to uh, yesterday. Is who's the best chef out of the Super Friends? So I'm curious what this is a five star review. Who? Uh, what's your what's your go to meal if you're cooking? Are you a cook? Are you a chef? I mean, no, I'll grill. I'm a, I'm a guy. I, I, you know, I'll grill some steaks on the grill, something like that. But my, my wife is such a good cook that mm. it doesn't even make sense for me to ever step anywhere like in the kitchen to do it because I will mess it up. The best thing I make is actually breakfast. So I take that back, which isn't really saying much. So, um, she just dwarfs me in every way with her ability to cook. So I don't even what's, mess that uh, up. What's her, we, we're all friends. Anything. Dude, she's amazing. Like, she'll make amazing chicken parm, chicken cutlets in general, a lot of Italian dishes. Um, she makes pretty much anything she, she comes up with. She, she, she'll make like a stir fry that's really good. She makes this incredible Chilean sea bass. Like, I lucked out and I actually told her this. She did not, <laughs> she did not appreciate this when I said it to her. I go, babe, I love you, but I'd probably be 10 pounds lighter if we never got married because I eat so damn well, uh, because her cooking's so good. That's not a. She got mad about that. What? That's not a. Yeah, that's kind of a backhanded compliment, right? You know. I guess. I mean, does she use a lot of butter? Which. <laughs> no, it's just I, I, she makes it, and I'm like, gosh, this is so good. You need to make more. So it's not even like that. It's that unhealthy. It's just that no one should consume that many carbs, right? Feels like this is more of a you thing than a her thing. It definitely is more of a me thing. Hundred percent. We're I was, working on it. I was shocked and awed at at the the Chick Fil A situation at the combine with Brady. I, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, just wait for Super Bowl, baby. We're going to get to hang out a lot more. We'll actually get some drinking involved, too. And I'll put on an absolute feed bag, especially if I, I get one, one, one too many brews in me. 
basically when you late night chow down, you go huge. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because like here's how I view it. Like if you know, if you know you're gonna be hungover, like you're on the borderline of like, okay, I'm like one eyeing it. Like if you've ever been that drunk where you're having a hard time seeing, just cover <laughs> one eye. You'll be able to kind of yep. figure out the rest of it, okay? Or if you're getting the spins, the best thing is when you lay down, you gotta have one foot on the ground, one foot up on like the bed couch, whatever you're laying on, table, you know, whatever it is. Usually that helps take that away. But my advice is this. If you know you're going to be feeling it the next day because you drank too much, you go in aggressive at whatever you can eat that's going to help soften that blow. Like I think about it like this. You're jumping out of a four-story building, okay, and it's going to hurt, okay? But if you can figure out a way of putting like a mattress or something down there to soften the blow, then it'll be it'll be that much better. I, I do. Awesome. I do think there's something to that because you know sometimes you'll do. A, you know, I'll end up in a situation where like I don't eat a full dinner. You know, you like you snack and you drink oh, all night. Like yeah. you wake up the next morning and you are crippled. But yeah. if you pound food late at night or eat a bunch of pizza, you feel fat the next day, but you don't feel as bad. Exactly. I'd much rather be fat and hungover. I'd rather feel fat and feel good than not fat and hungover. Right. It's okay. America. It's okay to be fat. It's just not okay <laughs> to not be able to function while hungover. That's America in a nutshell for you, okay? You can quote That's me on good. that. Yeah. That's actually, that could be your campaign slogan. Uh, okay. So <laughs> to the actual five star questions, Jesper Jepperson, Jesperson DK says, don't change the rants, the tangents. In fact, don't change a thing. So I'm saying, buddy, just be you. Question for Brady. And by the way, again, if you leave a question for Brady, Jason Lacanfora, Pete Prisco, Ryan Wilson, any of the super friends, myself, we will answer it. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you put a bunch of them in there. We appreciate it. His question for Brady is, what was your, quote, welcome to the NFL moment? Mm, good question. Um, I would say it probably actually ha- happened in practice my rookie year. I, I remember at that point in time, it was uh, it was an OTAs, right? So OTAs are really the first practices that that you have. So you have like your rookie mini camp and that was fine. I, I learned the playbook quick. I got my hands on it as soon as possible. I think actually draft day. I remember getting a copy of the playbook from Rip Shear, my quarterback coach and already starting to review it. I got ready for rookie mini camp. Everything was fine there. Like didn't have an issue with all that uh, as far as running the offense and the operations. And then obviously, you know, making throws and everything else. Then the veterans came in and you're out there now competing against some of those guys. And I'll never forget like being on seven on seven and we had a special teamer at the time. I'm not going to name who it was, but probably more of like a third string uh, linebacker, like maybe on the bubble of even making the team. In fact, he might've made the team that year, but I don't know what he did the next year or he might've gotten cut at some point before the season. But uh, I remember dropping back and it was kind of a tight window. It was like one of those things where in college you can get away with it. And I was trying to throw a dig or an in route in behind him. And I, I, you know, I, I was, I was looking off the front side, Mike linebacker. He was the weak side linebacker. And, you know, we were trying to high loan with the running back coming out, uh, to sit in front of him to entice him to come up instead of him dro- dropping back to the dig route. And so I was just trying to fit it in there and it was going to be tight anyway because the mic got so much depth. And I just remember he like kind of picked it off relatively easy. And I remember thinking to myself, like, crap, like this is going to be a lot harder than I anticipated. And then we had a team drill. <clears throat> One of the balls got tipped, got picked off. And then eventually um, there was another play. I think I threw up like a deep ball and uh, the guy ended up picking it off. It was like my first time throwing three interceptions. Uh, typically I didn't, you know, throw a lot of interceptions, you know, really after my, my freshman year in college. And, and up until that point, I hadn't really had any rough days. So I just remember that day and being like, 
oh crap. And just the guys talking trash and, and, you know, saying all this and kind of stuff. Cause I was a first round pick, uh, and kind of yapping and stuff. I was like, okay. I was, I was like, this is kind of like the welcome to the NFL moment where, um, it, it's, it's a little more aggressive, a little more difficult up here. Like even the guys who you think like aren't going to make the team, they're still breaking on footballs and picking stuff off. Mm. Yeah. A little bit different than that college game, isn't it, Brady? Mm-hmm. Um, I almost went to iTunes. Where we got one more. Mike eight 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 big says, "What do we think, Brady? What do you where? What do we think Brady's career would have been like if the Ravens would have chosen him, as it's been reported?" Thanks, Mike Cornblatt. I don't know. I mean, it's all speculative. It would have been nice to to enter into a situation where you had that sort of defense, that kind of team. That was you know stable organization, good running game, and all that. Uh, it's great to t- speculate on and talk about. Um, <clears throat> but to be honest with you. It's, uh, it's, who knows? You know, who, who honestly knows? But I think there would have been more stability there, which, you know, even for example, if we take into account Mitch Trubisky and we talk about why so many people look at him compared to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and say, like, yeah, they need to move on from him already, right? Well, what has Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes not had to deal with? They haven't had to deal with a coaching change. I mean, think about that. Like, Something small and seems insignificant, and Matt Nagy's there, and we think he's a genius because of how things went last year with him. But just he's had, had to learn a new system. You know, bringing in all these guys to help him out, that doesn't necessarily mean it, it makes it easier on him to get on the same page. You know, a la look at Baker Mayfield and Odo Beckham. I saw a stat today where, you know, Baker Mayfield's thrown the most interceptions. He's got the worst quarterback rating in a clean pocket. This is his second year in the system. But you've got these new guys he brought in that he's trying to throw to, and he's still obviously dealing with some of the issues with that lack of protection and, all, and everything else. So, um, the situation and the stability around you plays a huge role, a huge role in your ability to have success. Mm. Yeah, I was reading uh, just the because I think you told the story to, to Daniel Jeremiah mm-hmm. like way back in the day, a few years ago on on Path to the Draft or whatever. Well, um, he I told him that because he was the scout that supposedly this is the whole backstory of it. Oh. So Daniel's the one that left the room in the Ravens draft room. So people thought because of his relationship, and I think he was coming to Cleveland, that he had called and told Phil Savage about it. And so that's the whole backstory of it is he kind of behind closed doors knew the whole the whole deal where. They were trading with the Kansas City Chiefs at 23. And, and so that's, you know, he had stepped out to make some other call, but people try to connect the dots and they were trying to make it seem as if he was calling to, you know, let a, you know, a buddy of his and Phil Savage know. They so. thought he walked out and be like, Phil, they're going to take Brady. You better jump up and take him. Yeah. That's like, which, like, who would think Daniel Jeremiah would do that? If you're going to pick one human being who's going to do that, it's not Daniel Jeremiah. Well, no, it's not him. And it's just, you know, that's the kind of stuff that goes on and we obviously write about sure. and talk about, but. Uh, there was no validity to it. Okay. Well, um, yeah, it would have been interesting. Maybe you would have, um, maybe, maybe you'd be playing for the Broncos right now. Maybe you'd be on IR for the Broncos right now. So, like with a back injury. I did have a back injury. So we kind of both made it there with some herniated discs, just <laughs> different parts of our spine. Would you, yeah. Maybe you'd be on shirts with like Brady Quinn, elite question mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'd be interesting. It'd be cool to be on a t-shirt like that. You know, it would be. Uh, yeah. You know what? If there's anybody out there who wants to make Brady a shirt that's elite, do it. And find a picture of him drunk laying on a table and slap it on, slap it on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're getting out of here. It probably will happen with our super friends this Super Bowl. Let's be honest. It's going to happen. Miami. Everybody's welcome to come down. We should do a big Brady Quinn football show live from Miami for the Super Bowl. How about it? While drinking? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. 
Right. He's in. Ryan's in. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan I, I think Ryan's in. I don't know. Ryan has to drink Fireball the whole time. He doesn't know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> He's just going to be sloppy. All or nothing. Uh, <laughs> all right. Great show, guys. A lot of fun. Thanks for getting me nearly fired and perhaps shaved, Brady. Uh, I wouldn't shave. I would just say cut your hair. Okay. The hair is too long. All right. Great show. See you guys tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.